Welcome to Build. Today, I'm super excited because I have Marie Prokopetz here with me. She's the co-founder of FYI, which allows you to search and organize all of your documents in one place. And we actually met a few years ago when I responded to a user feedback survey for her new company. So I'm really excited to chat today about building products. Welcome, Marie. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. I'm really excited about the topic. Yeah. So I think we can just dig into it. We want to talk today about postmortems because that's something that when we were talking about before, it's something that I am terrible at and I often don't do. So I was curious to hear from you about sort of, A, you know, how you came to a point in your career where this became something that you were thinking about, and then we'll sort of dig into postmortems specifically. Yeah, sounds great. So if you could give me like a quick, you know, 30-second high-level intro to, to postmortems and how, how you sort of came to think about them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so postmortems are essentially a reflection on a project that you completed or really anything that happened that was of note in your business. And then you basically come up with tangible things that you can improve the next time you do that same thing or something that's similar to it. Um, they're also sometimes called retrospectives. And it's funny, the way that I got into postmortems was that my co-founder, Keaton Shaw, he and I used to do some investing. And there was this company we kept meeting with and we were considering investing in. And like we had this weird feeling, like, you know, that gut feeling where you don't know Mm -hmm. if you want to do it or not and you can't figure out what it is, but then you also really feel pulled to this. And one day I just was like sick of this feeling (laughs) that I couldn't identify. Mm -hmm. And so I just wrote this massive like data dump of essentially everything that was in my head, all about, you know, the situation, why we wanted to invest in them, and then the reality of the product and kind of where we went wrong. And I'd actually never seen or done a postmortem. It just kind of spontaneously came out of me. Um, I think all that stuff was built up in my head. And that ended up being the start of our postmortem format. We actually use that same format today. And it's really about getting all the all the good and the bad of a project out that's already in your head and then improving based on that. Okay. So I'm just curious, this was something that you were using before you were doing product specifically or in an investment capacity, so not just a product specific thing? Yeah. So you can actually do postmortems no matter what part of a company you work in, no matter what you do. You could honestly even do it like on your personal life. Like, uh, I don't know if you go on a date and it goes really poorly. You could uh, you could post more on that or an ex boyfriend or like a car you bought. I mean, you can, you can honestly do them on anything. That's awesome. Yeah. So then, can you take us through what are the the steps or the pieces that you have in your postmortem template? Yeah, absolutely. So I've got yeah this template that I love to use. And that I actually added something to Maggie, thanks to this podcast and looking into. So I'm going (laughs) to, there's something else. Okay. So first I just start with the purpose. Um, It's the purpose of the postmortem itself. So what is it that you want to discover by doing this postmortem? Then I move on to the situation. And that's like all the details of exactly what happened. So if it's a feature that you're building, for example, you would talk about the feature. You might add in screenshots. You might talk about who was involved in building the feature you would talk about all the research you did, anything else that's relevant to kind of what happened in the situation. Then you talk about the results. Um, and just like the situation, the results should be like totally unbiased. Um, this is not like emotional yet. It's just like, here's exactly what happened. And the results would be, you know, how many users ended up using it, or if you launched it on Product Hunt, how well that went, what customers are saying about it. You could include customer quotes. 
any of the analytics that you have, and then you would move on to what went wrong. And that's really where you get into like all the nitty gritty of what didn't go so well. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, unfiltered kind of this is where we sucked or this. Yeah, this is where we didn't do enough. Yeah, into what we can do better next time. And that's the area where you can really start to focus on, okay, if you were doing this project over again, or if you were doing something similar, what would you change and do? And then the part that I added, thanks to this podcast, is just about action items. So what are the specific action items that come out of the postmortem? And then who owns those? And when do they do? Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, it's interesting. So I committed before we started recording to doing a postmortem. And of course, I did it about 15 minutes before we started this. Uh So I have one fresh in my head. And it's interesting that you bring up action items because I think that's exactly what we sort of did at the end almost naturally, which was we went through this whole all the five steps. We talked about our purpose, the situation, results, what went wrong, what we could do better. And then we kind of took down a couple of notes that were like, all right, well, now what? You know, what should we do next? What's our next Mm -hmm set of things. And I think what was really interesting for us was that, so we did a postmortem on a kickoff of a product that we are currently building. So we had had this meeting last week and it had been something that we, this team, I don't think our last kickoff, the one we did prior to this one had been super great. So we, we actually had had a really good one and we wanted to dig into kind of what made it better. And what was interesting is at the end of this postmortem, Every single member of the team slacked me and said, that was really great. I want to do it again. And then they said, I'd like to actually do it for each other step in the process that we use as a team because we had clarified our understanding of those those different moments had been different between all of us. And we didn't realize until we sat down and talked about it. That's really awesome. I'm happy to hear it once in a while. And that's super important that you don't just do it in isolation that you actually do it with your team. If you're not remote, you sit down in person and you have a meeting and you talk about it. Because like you said, every single person might have a different perspective or different insights about what happened, what could go better. And also like everybody feels included at that point. Nobody's singled out for doing something bad. And I think the other the other real benefit of these two, I don't know if you did it just product people, but because we're so cross-functional, it's mm-hmm. really important that we're almost setting a good example for everybody else and doing these types of things because then I think engineering is more likely to do postmortems and marketing might be more likely to do them because we're basically this hub. Right. Yeah. So we did it in the product team, which is me as the acting PM. We had the designer, the tech lead, and the engineer all in the room. That's great. Yeah. It was really interesting. I think just to be really specific, one of the parts of the kickoff that we have, so it's the it's a meeting where we kind of align on exactly what it is we're going to build mm-hmm. and set some deadlines. And we uncovered that we all had a slightly different understanding of what it meant to scope a project. I had, you know, my assumption or my understanding is, you know, we scope the problem that we're solving. And then there was another thought about, well, we scope, you know, when we're going to do each thing. And then someone else said, oh, we scope, you know, how many features we're going to have. So we had this really interesting discussion about scope. And I don't think we ever would have had that if, you know, obviously we hadn't done the postmortem. Right. And that's really interesting. It's like it almost uncovers alignment issues that you don't even know exist. Even so, if you had done this postmortem in a written way and you each kind of added to it, you might not have mm-hmm. uncovered all this richness that, like, you actually just nobody had the same idea of what you were actually building and doing. So that's that's really great. I'm happy that you know you benefit benefited from it because I know postmortems are a bit painful to do in a way. Mm-hmm. Like we have 
shy away from the mistakes that we've made because there's a stigma, right? It's almost like you seem like weak if you made these mistakes, maybe you're <laughs> yeah. PM. Um, if you didn't, you know, you admit that you didn't do something flawlessly, but in reality, it's like, if you get to the truth, you're only going to be able to be, be better the next time. So I think postmortems are so important and they do sound so boring, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I saw your tweet today and I was like, will anyone be interested? In I know. Well, I, even when I set up the calendar invite for the postmortem, I said, you know, postmortem on X project kickoff. And then in parentheses, I put lighthearted because I didn't want anyone to think that anything had gone wrong. Because immediately, I think when we think about postmortems, it's often, oh, that thing went so badly that we have to get into a room, talk about what we did wrong and figure out how to do it better. And like you mentioned, it's so useful to do it for something that actually went well. And I think the engineer on the team said something. He said, you know, I think this meeting really pushed us past good enough. We didn't need to do the meeting. But now that we did it, I think we've unlocked an even better way to work together. That's amazing. And, you know, it's funny. So I, uh, FYI is a fully remote team. And so mm-hmm. because of that, I actually tend to do postmortems just in document form. And then we'll share them around and, like, talk through them at the main product meeting. But mm-hmm. I haven't... I haven't been doing meetings like you just did, cross-functional or just the product people, where we just go over a postmortem and actually write it together. And um, you've actually inspired me to start doing that because you're right. It's like feels daunting to people. They don't really yeah. realize the value. They might put in some stuff almost like, I'm just going to check off the list that I did this. But you're right. There's so much value to postmortems. Yeah. And I so you also sent over an example postmortem that you had done for a feature at FYI. Mm-hmm. And I was reading through this postmortem. So can you give a, the listeners like a little overview of what, of what this product is? And then I have a couple of things I highlighted that I wanted to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. So FYI lets you find your documents in three clicks or less uh, across all the tools that you use. And one of the features that we were building early on was a tags feature. And Maggie, you and I talked about this <laughs> a little while ago. <laughs> builds tags uh, in document tools. It's kind of like the expectation. Same with email and a lot of other tools, but they just they just do it whether or not it's actually good for you. And so we were super excited about building tags into FYI. And we thought we had this brilliant idea and we were kind of taken away by um, our own fantasy about it. And we thought we did everything right until we actually launched it and the results were just abysmal. And that's when we went back and did the postmortem to figure out like, what was it that actually went wrong and how can we do it better next time? And because of that postmortem, we ended up basically having a bunch of principles that we put into the product development process that were completely absent before that. Yeah. I, and again, I think this was a more, an example that was more along the lines of what I assumed postmortems to be, you know, something that didn't go well. And then, you know, you have that forcing function of going back and reflecting on it. And in reading through this document, I thought it was really interesting because, you know, in the second you you started with the situation, just like you said, and then right at the top, there's this little quote that says, we got really excited about adding tags because we thought it would help customers, blah, 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 blah. And I think it's really interesting. You can already see, you know, two sentences in exactly what the problem is. Exactly. There's so much bias in that, right? It's, yeah. not, it's not actually tested. It's like, yeah, we thought this and we thought that and we thought that. <laughs> and we were yeah. it, basically. Well, and I think that's something that we had talked about, which is this is a tool that's so important because as a PM, especially in products or, you know, really anyone in that cross-functional team, I think it's so easy 
to like lose your sense of honesty a little bit and assume that you know what customers want and assume that you you have a full understanding of the problem and then just sort of jump full force into building something or working on something without checking yourself. And, you know, I think I would imagine that everyone listening to this has products that they have worked on or are working on where they're saying, oh, yeah, I know this is going to be great. We think this is a really good idea. And they're not saying the customers have asked for this. Right, exactly. I mean, I think as a PM, there's so much momentum to mm-hmm. build something. You're obviously excited about it. You believe that you've done enough customer research in many cases. And in reality, we have to kind of stop and reflect both as we're doing the project and after in order to make sure that we're not just like tricking ourselves into building completely the wrong thing. Right. And I, I think on on tags, so what was really interesting for us is we had what we realized was we had kind of a fragmented product development process. Um, So one of the things that we realized was we were absolutely missing like our number one requirement for engineering. Mm -hmm. If we can't have X, then we don't want to build this feature. And so you have to make X work. And for us in tags, we actually had that, like, I can't share what it was because it was (laughs) uh, really good and we, we might do it again. But Essentially, there was this one requirement that we had that we we knew if we had that requirement built in, that tags would work. And when we shared it with engineering, at first they were like, yeah, yeah, okay. But we didn't share just this is our requirement. We just shared that amongst many other things uh, related to the feature. Mm-hmm. And then later on, we found out they, they can't build that part of the feature. And we still, we didn't stop it. Uh, we just kept going. And so that was part of the fragmentation. And now we've modified our process to say, if there's one requirement or two requirements of a feature, we have to put those up front or else we're just not building the feature. Yeah. Is that also an indication of room to bring your technical team and your engineering team in earlier in the process when you're doing the part where you uncovered that feature? Yeah, absolutely. So we actually, we have a whole process where we build in, we bring in engineering. Uh We have what's called like a feature discussion document where really early on before We've done designs even typically. We start Mm -hmm. to lay out what the feature is going to look like. And if we have any early designs or any early customer research, we put that in, we talk to them. But we weren't really getting to like the deep part. We would list out, you know, 50 requirements um, that we had. And we didn't say, here's that one or two must-have things that we need. So it wasn't about a lack of communication. It was just about a lack of kind of hierarchy and prioritization for them. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. We tend to do our part of the way our process works is that we bring in before we have any designs, we bring in design and engineering to talk about the problem and develop open questions together as a team. And that makes sure that if there are any technical considerations or hurdles that we don't know about, we we know before we've even put any pencils to paper. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great practice. Our engineering team tends to not like meetings as much as Mm -hmm. I do, probably. And I, I We let them not have meetings and do more since we're remote. It's easier do more via documents and via Slack. And I think this whole conversation is showing me that we could probably do a better job of just having those meetings. And if I were to do a postmortem on (laughs) the whole thing, it's like we actually just need to force ourselves to have those in person or, you know, virtual discussions, because if we don't, we're, we're missing some of that alignment. Yeah, that's interesting. We are a fully... I guess, co-located team. So we default to having face-to-face conversations. And it was interesting, even in the postmortem that I just did, in the kickoff, one of our teammates was out of town. And so he had dialed in from remote. And that was definitely in our 
what went wrong column because he felt like he didn't have as much clarity as he would have had if he had been in the room. No, that's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing is that when you do a postmortem, you realize that the, the situation is so specific to your company and the mm-hmm. team that's working on it. It's like vastly different if you're co-located, remote, if one person's remote. Yep. Yeah, that's that's really cool that you actually were able to uncover all that. I was worried. I saw your tweet. It was like maybe an hour before. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, is she going to have enough time to yeah. do the postmortem? <laughs> the team was very nice to me and that they agreed to do it without any preparation and in a high speed fashion. Basically what we did is we just I wrote down, you know, purpose, situation, results, what went wrong, what we what we can do better on the whiteboard in a bunch of columns and then just like high speed wrote stuff down and took a picture of it. So Wow. Yeah. Great. Yeah, it's nice. You don't have to do it like like I do them formal documents, mm-hmm. but you don't absolutely have to do that. You can do the whiteboard, you can do like a recorded discussion on Zoom, you could do something in Slack. Oh yeah, that's a good point. I wanted to to bring up something else that I read when I was looking at the postmortem that you sent over. And I think it's interesting just in general as a product person, there's a in the what went wrong section, there's a little bullet that says we were jumping ahead to secondary problems before we had nailed helping people find their documents, which is sort of the first problem that your company solves. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's such an important thing to call out because, you know, I think we probably all do this in some regard. We're all forget how hard it is as a customer to use a tool and how just the basics of a product are so important. And we were always want to build the next cool thing. So I just thought it was so fascinating that that was something that you had called out specifically. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you can get lured into that anytime, like whether it's your first month after launching or you've been around for years, you can get lured into the desire to keep building on more features that you don't need. And that's how a lot of us end up with these bloated roadmaps. And like we actually have a roadmap that it's like aspirational, right? There's all these things, but in reality, we can't really move on to those features until for us, we nail making a product that teams love and we nail helping people find their documents quickly. So for us, it's like having them do tags, for example, which requires a bunch of work and it's not actually helping them find their documents without them doing work. Mm-hmm. That, that's not something we should worry about yet until we've solved that primary problem. Right. And were those some of the principles that you had mentioned earlier that you guys aligned around after having gone through this discussion? Yeah. So we actually have three product tenants Mm -hmm. that created, and this is what I meant by our product process was fragmented and the postmortem helped us realize that. We had these three tenants. They're like, you know, really research backed. Um, It came out of like a 300 page deck that I did on the strategy for the company in the competitive space. And what we ended up doing is like we had them and we forgot about them. <laughs> we never weighed, yeah, we never weighed every feature against those. And so as soon as we did tags, I looked at the three tenants and I realized that I think two of the three or maybe even three of the three were not actually fulfilled with tags. And so for, for us, what this helped us do is really realize for our product development process, what are the must have things that we need to do? for every single feature that we ship that we like, if we forget about, we're probably going to ship the wrong thing. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. The other, the other big thing that we realized here is that we, we focused on user testing when we built tags Mm -hmm. and user testing is amazing. I don't know. I'm guessing you do a bunch of it too. Yes. Yeah. So user testing is great. We love, you know, getting recordings of customers talking through the product, whether it's the actual product or designs and, 
because we just, just focused on that, we got complete false positives because people thought tags were great. The designs, they looked really good. In theory, you would want to do this work, but in an actual customer environment, people aren't going to do that work yet. And they might say they want the feature, but they don't actually. And what we had done is we user tested tags like in onboarding. We did five different user tests where it was in onboarding. Like what I mean is in the homepage and people, you know, got dropped onto it when they got into the interface. And we did a bunch of user tests of it in the interface. And it just looked like this was going to be like the best feature, you know, we were ever going to build. And it completely wasn't. And the other problem was we never did any early access for this feature. So the first time that customers used it was when we shipped it to mm. production. There, there was no like, let's, let's let our actual customers use this and give us feedback yep. before we ship it. Yeah, we did. That's so important to remember. And it's one of those things that I can totally see how you would skip it, especially if you had such strong results from the user tests. We did something recently where we honestly just, just grew out of me not having enough time to properly run a beta. I just asked a couple of customers to use a new thing and film themselves and send me a video. And I got these amazing results because I hadn't been able to give them any background. I didn't intro it. I just said, go to this thing, this page and record yourself building something and let me know how it goes. So it was a really interesting way to get that feedback that as unbiased as I could get at the time. Yeah, absolutely. You could do a postmortem on that too, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe I should. Yeah, they don't have to be super long or anything. I think you're right. They, the postmortem can even uncover things like, oh, you, you only talked to customers in early access that already like love your product and that are really kind of evangelizing it already. And they might be more excited than the average user that just started, right? That's like, it's their first month or they're not quite as happy with you. So I think um, the good thing about doing these is you can really get to the nitty gritty details and understand exactly what went wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think about understanding what led you to make the decisions that went right as well. Because I always think about, okay, we're scaling really fast at Drift and how do we how do we share what we're doing with the other teams so that everyone can be scaling as fast? So every time something goes right, I want to think about, okay, this went right for us, but what can I learn from this that I can share with the rest of my teammates to help them also do it right? Just because I think that it's so easy when something goes right, like like the engineer said, you know, that was good enough and we would have kept running if we hadn't had a reason to stop and force ourselves to think about it. Yeah, I think that's a good point is we tend to do postmortems on things that went wrong. And in part, that's like because of the name postmortem, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like an autopsy, right? Of yeah. something that died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but in reality, if you do them on a project that went well, then you can actually rally the team around all the amazing things that happened and use it as a way to kind of even give everybody shout outs. Yeah. So I, I think you're right. It's we're we're really quick to jump to these negative postmortems, but if we create a process where you do them for anything, then you'll actually end up with a bunch of positive ones too. Yeah, we definitely left that room feeling really good as a team, feeling really positive, and considering it's something that we're actively working on, I think it was probably a nice thing to do mid-build because everyone went back to their desk sort of hyped up on the thing that we were doing. Hmm, that's really great. Yeah. You're inspiring me too. I think after this, I'm going to have a bunch of action items. <laughs> yeah, go do some postmortems. Oh, totally. Some positive things. Yeah. yeah, I think that's on the negative. Definitely. Okay, so... I think just for the listeners, right, it's so simple. You just have to have, you know, your purpose, your situation, results, what went wrong, and then what you can do better next time. And then you added the the bonus of action items. 
Yep. Yeah, exactly. That's it. It's awesome. really simple and you can create whatever kind of format you want. So like at the top of my template, I just recently added um, some kind of like cheerleading type stuff. I yeah. said, go wild, be nice, be honest, don't sugarcoat. It's okay to make mistakes. It's even better to learn from them. So just whatever it is that helps you feel free to write the postmortem, that's what you should put in the template. Awesome. And I actually read those comments out loud to the team because I thought they were part of the, the official template. So that helped. Oh, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, I got some feedback from one of our PMs that they really liked it and it helped them feel like empowered to do the postmortem. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so we're almost out of time, but I have two more questions for you. I want to know, what are you reading or listening to that you're recommending to people that we can all learn from? Yeah, absolutely. Right now, I'm, I'm, I'm actually really into spiritual books, less than business books. Great. Um, so right now I'm reading Autobiography of a Yogi uh, by Yogananda. It's my second time reading it. The first time I wasn't able to finish it for some reason. So I'm actually finishing it this time. And one book I always recommend that I'm like absolutely obsessed with, it's called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Mm -hmm. And it's all about creativity. It does have a spiritual bend. So if you're not into that, uh, I would avoid it. But it's, it's all about unlocking your creativity at work, outside of work. It's one of my favorite books. And then I do have a business book um, coming up next that I, I'm going to read. My co-founder is like raving about it. It's 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership. So I'm, I'm excited to get into that one. It seems both spiritual <laughs> and business. This is good because I usually get the same set of five books everyone recommends and all of which I just haven't read. So now I can add new books that I might actually, actually will read this time. And then what's one or two pieces of advice that you would give to people in products? Obviously, you've had a really wide-ranging and successful career. So, you know, what advice would you give to people listening who want to found a company, want to get into products, any of that? Yeah, I think the advice I would always give is just do more customer research. It can never hurt you. Mm -hmm. And if anything, you're always going to discover more about what the customer's needs are what they want, what they love about your product. And because of the tags postmortem, the other big piece of advice I always give is don't bias yourself by doing one type of research. So you should always be doing a variety of customer research, whether it's interviews and user tests and competitor research and surveys and looking at your analytics, but don't just bias yourself with one. Awesome. Well, Marie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. This was super helpful and awesome. Yeah, thank you so much, Maggie. And on my end, I learned a bunch too that I'm after this. Yeah, we should just do a postmortem on this podcast. You're right. <laughs> awesome. Well, everyone listening, please leave a review. Give Marie six stars. We need some more shout outs in the comments. And thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs>